Welcome to another of Renton Christian Center's recorded ministries. As you take the time to listen, we hope your heart and spirit will be refreshed with God's love for you. Here again is our message. Hey, before we uh, before we launch uh, off today, and uh, I'm gonna go I'm gonna go no notes this morning, so I'm just gonna speak to you from my heart, and and uh, but I do want to. Uh, I do want to honor a request from a friend. My friend Max approached me this morning, and Max has a friend who has a younger brother that's battling cancer pretty seriously and going through chemotherapy. So Max said, could we just take a moment and pray for him? His name is John, and your friend's name is Gio, right? I think we met Gio, haven't we? I think he's one time. I remember. So let's do that. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you know John. You created John. And um, God, we pray that you be his sufficiency and his strength, that you give him what he needs to endure, what he's going through, and we pray specifically for a great outcome for him, for, for his treatment. Lord Jesus, we just pray that that cancer would disappear. Thank you for his brother Gio. Thank you that he asked his friend Max, who's a Christian, to pray. Um, there's no atheists in foxholes. And uh, God, when we are at our wit's end and when the illusion that we are in control gets shattered, um, whether we know you as Savior or not, we seem to turn to you. So, Lord, for Gio, for John, for everybody that loves them, uh, God, we pray that you be the Prince of Peace in that situation and use that as an opportunity to show your faithfulness and your power and bring everyone involved closer to you. And all God's people said... Amen, amen. Thanks, Max, for giving us the privilege of doing that. Okay, this is my sermon for today. We're going to be here a while. No, I'm only kidding. So uh, last time I spoke uh, was January, and I'm not, obviously not going to um, go in detail about those circumstances, but I was, uh, kind of shared you guys a little bit of the journey that I had been going through. And just to give you the shorthand, how many of you were here when I shared last time? January. Okay, a lot of you weren't. So, yeah, just to give you the shorthand, uh, I've, been, I've been on an incredible odyssey uh, the last many, many months. I had what was uh, old, what they used to call in the old days, just kind of a good old-fashioned nervous breakdown uh, in, um, on September 30th. I still remember the date. It was hospitalized, and, and uh, am I having a heart attack? Am I having a stroke? What's going on? And they, you know, they run all the tests, and they go, nothing physically wrong. Uh, send you home with some sleeping pills, sleep about 26 hours, because um, I hadn't slept for about a month before that. And um, hooked up with a wonderful Christian counselor who has just talked me through. Like I said, I'll be happy to have coffee with anybody here and, and talk through that uh, with you. But hooked up with a wonderful Christian counselor who has um, helped me grasp the fact that God will break you to rebuild you. God will break you to rebuild you. And this is kind of my theme for the whole thing. You will never reach for the light switch unless you're in the dark. Okay? And God will never leave us alone. If we get complacent, if we're just kind of drifting along and doing our thing and we got it all figured out, uh, he loves us too much to let us sit still. And sometimes he needs to 
whack us with that uh, Holy Spirit 2x4 to get our attention so he can do the thing that he wants to do in us. And so that's kind of been my odyssey and my journey that I have been on. Uh, for the first time about a month ago, my wife and I were meeting with uh, my counselor, and I said, okay, this is the first time I've been able to say this. This is momentous. I'm really glad this happened to me. I'm really glad this happened. It's been one of the greatest gifts of self-discovery, but more importantly, discovering who I am in Christ, to be regrounded, and to feel like in some ways that God has said, I've got something for you to do. I needed to take some things away. I needed to bring some new things in. Now let's get busy. Now let's get going. So when I shared uh, January, I hadn't even been back to work yet. I'd been out of work for three and a half months, and I was just getting ready to go back. It was the next week that I was going to go back. I've now been back as long as I was out. I just figured that out the other day. It's like, oh, okay. And uh, so far, so good. And, and uh, yeah, just with a very, very fresh perspective, which is just awesome. But uh, if you remember, those of you that were here when I spoke the last time, um, I kind of shared the story of uh, listening to How the Grinch Stole Christmas. How many of you guys love How the Grinch Stole Christmas? I love that thing, and sitting wrapping Christmas presents and, and um, listening to that book, the whole, not just the song, not Jim Carrey. I mean, this was like Boris Karloff reading Dr. Seuss. It doesn't get any better than that, right? Boris Karloff and Dr. Seuss. And uh, I remember when that got done, and I, I was listening to it, I thought, man, that is the most beautiful way to demonstrate for children the meaning of the spirit of Christmas in a way that adults just think is delightful and enjoy it as well. And what God spoke to my heart in that moment was, I've created you to do that. It's like, wow, okay. So I wrote a little story, and I, which I shared last time, and um, I now have 14 of those stories. Yeah. So I call them my parables. So... What's a parable? A parable is nothing more than a story that illustrates a point. That's how Jesus used to teach. And they usually have something to do with everyday life, what people are going through, what people are challenged by, who God is, or more importantly, who he should be um, in our lives. And a parable is an opportunity to understand that in a new and fresh way. So I've got a couple of parables I'm going to read you this morning, okay? Um, one of the, one of the, you know, through my kind of my odyssey of healing that I've gone through the last few months, God kept giving me phrases that I would be able to cling on to and apply in different circumstances. The first one, and this was in my journal, I think day one, and I'm, I, I, I've never, I, I kind of journaled off and on before. I'll tell you, if you don't journal, journaling's awesome because you read back and you see how faithful God is in your life. It's like the, the Hebrews, when God would do amazing things, they'd build up a pile of stones. You see those stories in the Old Testament. So that generations later, when people would come by, they go, that's when God did this. That's when God was faithful, and it would remind them. To me, that's what my journal is. It's piling up piles of stones, something that concerned me or stressed me or whatever, and then two months later, you read back and you go, that's gone. I mean... And here's what happened to it. And now it's this thing that was so all-consuming is, is not even an issue in my life anymore. So that journaling has been a wonderful thing. But one of the phrases, that first phrases that I wrote in my journal was, don't be afraid, trust in me, see it through. Don't be afraid, trust in me, 
see it through. Um, didn't exactly know what that meant, and the whole trust in me part wasn't uh, coming very easily, and the see it through, it's the biggest word in the English language sometimes. <laughs> it, what is it? What is that? Um, but since then, I've been able to now look back and go, okay, now I kind of understand what it was and what it is. Another phrase that God's really given me uh, is be fully here. You guys in wildfire, especially leaders, have heard me say that. I'll pray that. Be fully here. And what that means is, how often have we been in a situation, a conversation, a relationship, whatever, and that person sitting across the table from you or standing across from you, kind of like Max was with me this morning, telling me something that's obviously very important to him, and while you're making eye contact with that person, your mind's over here. A lot of you guys are nodding right now. You're thinking, you're planning, you're whatever, and you're, you know, that person, you're nodding and whatever, and that person has no idea, but you're over here. You're not here with them. You're not focused on them. You're not giving them maybe what God needs you to give them. More importantly, you're not getting from them what maybe God wants to give you. Be fully here. Be fully present in the moment. All of us have lives, homes, families that we can sometimes look beyond because we don't think we're where we need to be or where we want to be. Jesus told a parable about that. It was called the prodigal son. We've all heard that one. Well, the risk of uh, plagiarizing the Lord Jesus Christ, it's a little risky, uh, I've actually reworked the parable of the prodigal son to put it in a context that um, I could certainly understand and hope others could as well. So Jesus would take his parables from daily life, farming and animals and the weather and trees and things like that. So this parable is from uh, a daily life as well, but not my daily life. Uh, she's not here this morning, but Grace Kavarik, who's one of our uh, youth in wildfire, uh, Grace has a cat who she loves, Pepper the cat, and uh, Pepper ran away. Yeah, I know. And, I mean, how you guys have cat people? Any of you cat people? My wife's a cat person. She's got her hand waving over there. Yeah, Grace was a cat person too. Pepper ran away, and so. Uh, but you know what? One night at Wildfire, she was crying, and we just kind of prayed. And I mean, this sounds like one of those weird, wild things, but we prayed. I go home. I get ready to go to bed. My phone buzzes. I look. It's a text from Grace. Pepper came back. That night, Pepper came back after quite a hiatus. Two weeks, yeah. Pepper had a two-week hiatus. So this story is called Pepper the Prodigal Cat. <laughs> so, uh, so let's maybe uh, take a little uh, adventure and see maybe what Pepper was up to while Pepper was gone. Walking down a sidewalk on a bright suburban street... An early rain has caused us to dodge puddles with our feet. The trees all brightly glisten, filled with captured drops and flecks. We occasionally gasp when random ones fall down our necks. We stroll past neighbors' houses and enjoy our pleasant walk, when suddenly we see a sight that makes us pause and balk. Across the street, two houses up, there down upon all fours, a little girl is crying in her half-a-jar front door. I recall her name is Grace, and she was dressed up like a queen when she shouted trick-or-treat outside our door last Halloween. 
But she's not looking very royal as she crouches there, poor Grace, for she's choking heavy sobs and bright tears run down her face. We move a little closer to see what she's staring at. There in the middle of her lawn sits a bedraggled skinny cat. Now before we tell the story of this girl and cat so gaunt, remember this is fiction. We can do anything we want. So settle down and lend an ear and hold on to your hat as this narrative is told to us by Pepper. He's the cat. Hello, I go by Pepper. Gotta say it's nice to meet you. Incidentally, my name is short for Pepperoni Pizza. I got that name from little Grace, but her parents are to blame. First thing that she sees, they cried, will be the kitty's name. Then they all sat at the table to enjoy a family dinner. Grace hollered out her favorite food, and that name was the winner. I had, to, I had no say-so in the matter, not a name I would have chose. I guess it could be worse. They could have served her sloppy joes. <laughs> all in all, was not so bad. Even with my funky name, there were lots of nice amenities. I sure could not complain. There was a windowsill for napping, birds in the yard to catch, a phony mouse to play with, lots of furniture to scratch. I had a bowl of cat food, fresh water from the fixture, a litter box for when I... Well, I think you get the picture. So I settled into life with this idyllic family unit. Then they had to go and do something to absolutely ruin it. For one day, the door was opened, and in a second, just like that, it was worse than Armageddon, for they brought home another cat. I suppose he was adorable. He would purr and play with string and rub against your ankle if you liked that sort of thing. He was friendly and obedient, could, could do cute tricks and stunts, in every way, the perfect cat. I hated him at once. <laughs> Grace had named him Shadow, and my temper got much shorter. He gets a really cool name while I'm a takeout order. <laughs> I determined then and there, I vowed, I pledged, I swore that I wouldn't take this lying down. Cry havoc! This is war. So I formed a little scheme I would enact without delay. A subtle black ops plan called Operation Bombs Away. Wherever Shadow went, it just seems he wasn't to be trusted. For in every room he occupied, something somehow just got busted. In the bathroom, it was aftershave. In the den, a table lamp. In the kitchen, maple syrup got the floor sticky and damp. In the living room, a painting. In the hall, it was a mirror. In the library, the plaster busts of Tolstoy and Shakespeare. There was glass found on the sofa, spots of perfume on the bedding, off the mantle fell each photo shot at Uncle Larry's wedding. It was working to perfection. Soon old shadow would be gone. Just when I thought I'd tasted victory, something suddenly went wrong. What caused my mission to unravel? What short-circuited my plan? Well, unbeknownst to me, they'd installed a nanny cam. Now I'm the one in trouble. With Naughty Kitty, I've been tarred. While Shadow laps up bowls of milk, I've been exiled to the yard. I think I've been mistreated. Why, they couldn't have been much meaner. Somewhere over the rainbow, I just know the grass is greener. I can find a better family. I can find a better kid. I can go and seek my fortune. And that's exactly what I did. So with the sunshine on my shoulder and the sidewalk neath my feet, taking one last look behind, I then set off down the street. It didn't take me long to find a likely new abode. Three kids were playing in the yard as I stepped off of the road. One cried out, look, it's a kitty, and they ran to where I stood. 
But the closer that they got showed me this was just no good. They had sticky little fingers, sticky shirts and sticky britches, sticky knees and sticky faces from their sticky jam sandwiches. Before I could escape, one picked me up and held me near. Soon I had jam across my face on all my paws and in my ears. I sought relief from this embrace in which I found myself consumed when all at once they shouted, Squirrel! I was dropped and off they zoomed. The next stop in my search was with a family name of Tyler. It was working out until I met their 90-pound Rottweiler. Then I came to hitch a ride with a woman in a Ford. She really seemed to like me as she welcomed me aboard. We pulled into the driveway, and I thought this could be heaven. I had boldly rolled the dice. Would they finally come up seven? She opened up the door, and to my shock, what do I find? Her house is full of cats. I quickly counted 79. <laughs> I made a beeline for the street. I've no desire to be cat 80 for the quintessential feline hoarding neighborhood cat lady. <laughs> well, after that, I wandered aimlessly by tattoo parlors and bars. I had to dodge motorcycles. I was splashed by passing cars. I spent a night curled in a drain pipe. Then behind a place called Rocco's, I ate breakfast from a dumpster cast-off fries, and moldy tacos. When it was cold, I shook and shivered. When it was hot, I'd pant and sweat. When it was dark, I'd hide and worry. When it rained, I got all wet. Till one day, a farming couple pulled up by me in their truck. She opened up the door and very kindly picked me up. We drove out to the country till we reached their little farm. Instead of going to the house, they took me straight out to the barn. Here's your home now, lucky kitty and you've got to earn your keep. You can sleep there in the hay, and there's lots of mice to eat. Did she say go eat some mice? I fear I've fallen in with loons. The only cats that dine on rodents are in movies or cartoons. It's becoming very clear I may have overplayed my hand. So far, all I have to show are sleepless nights and stains of jam. I so miss my little family, shedding on their shoes and socks. I miss my water, miss my food, I really miss my litter box. If I returned, would they forgive? Would they be nice? Would they be hard? They could exile me outside and feed me scraps out in the yard. Setting out to seek my fortune has really come to make me see that far from being mistreated, few are as fortunate as me. And if they don't embrace me, if their greeting isn't warm, it's still better there than here and eating mice out in this barn. So I made good my escape from the farmer and his spouse to find the way back to my little grace and little house. I'll spare you all the details how my homeward journey runs. Suffice it here to say, it's hard to hitchhike without thumbs. <laughs> but eventually I arrived and I'm now sitting on the lawn. Little Grace opens the door and my concerns are quickly gone. She falls down to her knees, tears of joy she cannot check. Then she rushes to the yard and throws her arms around my neck. With all the crying and the hugging, I'm with her tears now fully doused. Then gathered in her arms, we happy dance into the house. Oh, kitty, how I've missed you. You're so skinny and so smelly. Your fur is stiff and sticky. What is that? Is that grape jelly? Never mind, you must be starving. I'll get you lots of food to eat. How about some macaroni? Something salty? Something sweet? Here, I found a bag of pretzels and a jar of mayonnaise. How about a piece of cheesecake with caramel almond glaze? 
we got donuts, we got crackers, we got cereal and cheese, we got broccoli, butter, biscuits, artichokes, meatloaf, and peas. But no matter what she offered, carbohydrates, soy, or fat, I just couldn't muster interest. After all, I'm still a cat. <laughs> then she finally found an option that brought teardrops to my eyes. She held out a can of tuna, the monster massive mega size. When she put that in my bowl and set it down on my behalf, she could not have pleased me more if she'd served up the fatted calf. When I finished all the tuna and I didn't leave a speck, she still had one more surprise, a brand new collar from my neck. So now, Kitty, as you wear it, may you always be reminded that when it comes to love, it's here at home you'll always find it. Well, it's nearly been two weeks since my odyssey was done, yet it really hasn't ended. seems it's only just begun. Now my mission's being thankful. Gratitude's my destination. My companions are contentment, kindness, and appreciation. As I nap here on the sofa, dreaming of my little grace, the quiet shattered by the breaking of a cut-leg crystal vase. As I shake myself awake and try to gather my dismay, from the hall I hear a voice, its shadow calling, Bombs away! <laughs> Cute and funny, but true. Amen? Uh, love is found with those that love you, and sometimes, you know, we don't always show our best side to the people that love us most, do we? And why? Because we know they're the ones that will forgive us. They have to forgive us. Um, but home is where love is going to be found. Um, my dad, I, told, I shared with you guys last time I spoke, my dad passed away in November, and um, that was kind of quite a process, and um, my dad was a wonderful guy. A lot of you know him. Hank's hitting here somewhere. Where are you? Hank, Hank knew my, my dad. He loved Hank and Eulaine and loved Gretchen and Frenchie when Frenchie was still with us. They used to love to come here and visit uh, RCC. And um, it's interesting that you go through the pain of losing someone you love. I know I'm looking at Ashley. She lost her grandpa um, two years ago now, about two years ago now, something like that. So, yeah, I mean, grandfathers and grandmothers are really, really special. But you know what's wonderful about the circumstance. I miss them. There's all, there's all these times I'm doing stuff, right? Like I'll go uh, buy a new tool and I'll think, man, I can't wait to tell dad I got, and then I realize I can't call him. I can't call him and tell him the thing that happened or whatever. And so it's at those times that I miss them. But what's really wonderful and as a gift is I didn't have anything unsaid with my dad and he didn't have anything unsaid with me. Um, and that is a beautiful thing. And so now I have a brother and a sister. My brother lives in California. My sister lives in Colorado. And we text each other all the time. In fact, I just got one from my sister two days ago. And it's, I had a dad sighting. I had a dadism. I had a dad moment. And it, they're all stories of things that my dad did. My dad had a phrase for everything. If you know my dad, he had a funky phrase for everything. And my brother, um, he texted me couple of weeks ago, and he said, man, I had a dad moment. I had to go get a haircut. So he hollered out to his wife. He goes, I'm going to go get my ears lowered, which is exactly what my dad would always say when it was time to get a haircut. Come on, boys. We're going to go get your ears lowered. Um, and so he'll text me and my sister that, or I'll, text, uh, or I'll text something to them. And I texted one the other day, and I said, I opened my mouth, and dad came out. Um, but it's wonderful, because as you, as you begin to temper 
missing that person that you love, it slides into the warmth and comfort of memories, uh, of beautiful memories that can't, can't be bought, can't be rented, can't be purchased in any way. They can only be created. Um, I'm going to read you another story. And this story, if it has any, as most parables do, has a point, uh, it has something to tell us, it's live intentionally. And what do I mean by that? So often, we're passive spectators, even in our own lives. We just sort of allow things to happen or allow things to occur or things go by us. One of the things I always pray is, God, have my antennas up. You know that God does miracles in our lives every day, 100 times a day? Every day, 100 times a day. We just don't see them. We just don't see them as miracles. Um, if only we could live our lives more aware. If only we could live our lives mo- with more intention of what we are doing, who is in our lives, and what God has given us to invest in the lives of the people that we love and to reap from the lives of people that love us. But so often, there's so much noise um, that we miss it. It's one of the reasons why I'm envious of our team that's over in Tenasket, because you know what they've done? They, you know, it's a mission trip, and they're going to help those in need or whatever, but you know what they've done for themselves? They've unplugged. They've turned the noise down. And they're just going to plug into Jesus, and they're going to serve for a week. Uh, we just got back from Alaska a month ago. It's hard to believe it's been a month. You turn the noise down, and you can hear the voice of God. Living intentionally. You don't have to run off to Tenasket. You don't have to fly to Ketchikan. Um, it's living and asking God to make you intentional because God's very intentional with us. Amen? So I'll tell you a little, I'll tell you a little preamble before I share this story. Um, when we were in Alaska, uh, there's a young gal in our youth group named Gabby. I love Gabby. And uh, Gabby's kind of still relatively new. She's been coming for, for several months, relatively new. And Gabby's quiet and kind of keeps to herself. And so you're always trying to find ways to, you know, kind of crack into that with the kids and build a relationship with them. And so in uh, Klawak, where we went, basketball is not a sport, it's a religion. These guys are crazy for basketball. And so we have several boys. Uh, Jaden's right there. Jaden? Jaden's 14 and he's out there slam dunking, seriously. Jaden is an amazing basketball player. So Jaden and the two Oiwak boys, great basketball players also, went out and went to open gym night in Klawak, where all the other boys of the town were gathered and played ball with them. And it was awesome to watch our boys out there mixing it up with guys that were in their 20s. You know, Jaden's dunking over them and all that stuff. It was pretty cool. So uh, I went and Kevin went because we wanted to watch. And uh, Cindy Smith went and Gabby wanted to go. Gabby said, I go, absolutely. So we went over with the boys, and we're sitting in the bleachers while the boys were playing ball. And so I got up to do something, and Gabby was over here. Cindy was doing homework. Kevin was talking to somebody. And so I went to sit down, and all of a sudden I look, and Gabby had stretched her leg out on the bench so I couldn't sit down with this little cute little smile on her face. And so I slid over to sit, and Gabby slid over, and her smile got a little bigger. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, Gabby's teasing me. This is awesome. (laughs) So if you know me, I'll tease back. So what I did was Gabby, I noticed Gabby had slip-on shoes. So I grabbed Gabby's shoe and I threw it in the middle of the basketball court. (laughs) Gabby, go get your shoe. 
And of course, she was mortified, but uh, it was kind of fun. So it was like this little moment with Gabby and I. And so uh, I, had read, um, I had read the story I just read you, Pepper, the cat. I had read that to the kids. In fact, it was really funny. We did a bedtime story, so I would read them a story before they go to bed. And one night, I was sick. I had the flu. You guys heard the flu kind of ran through our group. And so Wednesday night was my turn, and I had gone to where the boys, boys were sleeping. I went to bed at 5.30, and I was, like, not there. And so when the boys came back to go to bed, Kevin was with them, and one of the guys said, hey, we didn't get a, we didn't get a story tonight. And uh, Kevin goes, I got one for you. Roses are red, violets are blue, go to sleep. <laughs> right? <laughs> not, not kidding about that. So uh, Gabby and I talked a few days later, and I had written that story. It was about Grace's cat. And Gabby kind of said to me, she goes, are you going to write a story about me? I said, oh, that's interesting. I said, yeah, I'll write a story about you. I'm going to call it Gabriella's Shoes. That's going to be the name of the story I'm going to write about you. So I set off to write a cute, funny story, kind of like Pepper the Cat for Gabby. And so I wrote kind of the opening four or five lines. You kind of slide into a story, set the scene a little bit. And as I tried to be cute and funny and rhyming and whatever, I would get only so far and I'd get stuck. And I'd cross everything out and flip the page and I'd start again and I'd get stuck. And I'd cross it out and start again and I'd get stuck, and I couldn't write past about the first five lines of that story. So finally, I kind of set it down, and I said, Lord, I don't know what you want to do here, but it's definitely not going the way I think it should go. So what do you want to do? And so God wrote a very different story. Um, and that's the one I want to read you today. And I want, do want you to know that uh, this is not about Gabby. Gabby is the inspiration. Obviously, her name is in the story, and Callie and I talked to Gabby Wednesday, and I kind of told her the story of this story. And um, I said to her, I said, I won't read it out loud to anybody unless you say it's okay. And she kind of smiled. She says, no, it's okay. And I said, okay, I'm going to read it on Sunday. So this is the story, Gabriella's Shoes. A little girl's bedroom is a rare and magical place. When the world is big and scary, here it's warm and snug and safe. No ugly, frightening monsters ever penetrate these walls. Just teddy bears and puppets, stuffed animals and dolls. Some days this is a castle or a house up in the trees. It's where all the bedroom tenants are served sandwiches and teas. It's a large and spacious ballroom for a formal dance or prom or a cozy little kitchen perfect for a pint-sized mom. And when imagination's resting, when this room is just a room, it holds the pieces of her life, safe as a baby in the womb. For all her special things, seems each one has a special place, on a shelf or in a shoebox, tied with ribbon, wrapped in lace, a ballerina music box atop a chest of drawers. On the windowsill are seashells that she picked up on the shore. On the wall, you'll find her artwork. She likes to draw when she's sad. Next to a pinboard full of photos from her last visit with her dad. But of all the rare possessions that are special to this girl, there is something here most treasured, more than any in the world. For deep within her closet, neath a quilt of reds and blues, behind her skates and backpack, are Gabriella's shoes. They were a present for her birthday, wrapped in pink, a bow to match. They lie in the box they came in, bits of pink paper still attached. Her father bought them for her. He hadn't wrapped them, how'd she know? 
Well, he could never cut the paper right, and he was helpless with a bow. She'd seen her mother do the wrapping, seen her look of keen vexation, for she knew quite well her husband would not attend the celebration. Her mother made her worry. She seemed sad right to her core. Her face held lines and creases never carried there before. Though she tried with all her might, t'was too much for her to fix. There's only so much you can do when you're just a girl of six. So each night she'd say her prayers, close her eyes, and just believe, and think about the days before her father had to leave. There were picnics at the ocean, what happy times they'd had, when she arranged her gathered seashells and spelled I love you for her dad. They'd wrestle on the carpet, where he'd tickle and he'd hug her, or they'd go to baseball games, on those days he always called her slugger. And gathered on his lap, in his chair so soft and deep, he'd tell her tales of kings and princes, till she'd finally fall asleep. Those were magic happy times all any girl could ever wish. Then came the day the telephone rang, and her mother cried and dropped a dish. Later that same evening, her parents, hand in hand, had a tearful conversation she could scarcely understand. Later on, after a story, her father carried her to bed. He seemed to hold her extra tightly against his neck. She laid her head. When they came into her room, he gently set her on the floor. Then he smiled and did the thing he'd done a hundred times before. He reached over to the dresser, opened up the music box, and she giggled as they danced there with her feet atop his socks. As the days passed into weeks, he spent more hours in his chair. When she hugged him, he felt thin. He began to lose his hair. Story time was different with the tales now told by Mom, her dad under a blanket in an effort to keep warm. Till one day a sitter came, their teenage neighbor Joan, her parents left, were gone for hours, then Mom came home alone. Daddy's sleeping over, as the two sat down together, while the doctors try to help him and make him feel all better. We can go and visit tomorrow or the day after. He really needs his little girl to bring her smile and laughter. A kiss goodnight, then to her room, but in the hall she paused to look and saw her mother bow her head as her shoulders drooped and shook. An aching heart consumed her as the sun does to a vapor. So she colored pictures in her room as her teardrops stained the paper. Her visits with her father were always bittersweet. She couldn't wait to see him. His hugs were such a treat. But the place he stayed was scary, with machines and tubes and lights, strange sounds and people bustling, and everyone in white. But each time before she left him, they'd do something she adored for her mom would take a photo for her to pin up on her board. Then she would pray for daddy while her mother held her tight. Then they'd each give him a kiss and they'd head home into the night. Remember back when you were small? A birthday's near to heaven and quite a monumental thing to go from six to seven. For Gabriella, it was hard to anticipate tomorrow. Though her mother tried her very best, each smile was tinged with sorrow. That afternoon there was no visit, nor would there ever be again. They both sat back in her father's chair and in silence thought of him. They sat until the clock struck twelve, the night black as a starling. Her mother softly whispered, Happy birthday, my sweet darling. As Gabriella rubbed her eyes from the chair, her mom detached and returned holding a present wrapped in pink 
a bow that matched. This gift is from your daddy. He did all that he could do. He fought so hard for both of us. His last thoughts were filled with you. He wanted you to have this. Her voice, her voice broke the slightest bit. Your daddy truly loved you. Go ahead and open it. With care, she tore the paper, set the bow beside the chair. Then soon the box was opened, and all she could do was stare. Inside were shoes so beautiful for a princess or a queen, as white as newly fallen snow with stones that shone and gleamed. But then she noticed something that tempered the surprise. These shoes were not a little girl's. They were more her mother's size. She held the box in puzzlement. Now why would Daddy get me such beautiful, exquisite shoes that clearly do not fit me? Then searching further in the box so carefully and hard, there underneath the shoes she found a happy birthday card. She removed it from the envelope. The words were so inviting. And here is what was written there in her dad's distinctive writing. My darling little Gabby, how I wish I could be there to tell you happy birthday, give you hugs, and smell your hair. I pray my words stay with you like a deep and glowing ember. And no, I'm never really gone if you simply just remember. Every time you see a seashell, take a walk along the shore, take in a baseball game, hear the crowd stand up and roar. And when you're sitting quietly and coloring your art, just look up and I'll be there if you're looking with your heart. This brings me to your present, and I'm sure you're wondering why the shoes, the gift I've given, you can't wear till time goes by. Someday you'll meet somebody, and you'll love like mom and I. You'll never want to let him go. He'll take you as his bride. These shoes are for your wedding, and before the music's through, just close your eyes and think of me, and I'll be there to dance with you. As she finished reading these treasured words from Dad, Mom sat down beside her with a face more proud than sad and cuddled there together in the chair so soft and deep the card slipped from her fingers as they both fell fast asleep. For none of us can really know the time that will be granted. In the end, all that endures are all the seeds of love we've planted. Life souvenirs are memories. Store up the ones you choose. And know they wait to dance with you like Gabriella's shoes. Let's pray together. Lord God, help us be people that live on purpose, that live intentionally, that understand the things in life that are important, that give you the opportunities to turn down the noise in our lives. God, bring to mind the people in our lives that we love and the investments that we can make in those memories that last a lifetime. God, none of us knows the time that you have blessed us with or allotted us with. May we not waste a moment. May we spend our time that is a gift from you each day and one of those miracles that I talked about, the fact that we wake up every morning and the fact that you know our name and that your mercies are new with the rising of the sun. God, may you renew our ability to see the day as a gift from you and to know that even if we're walking in the nighttime, the sun is going to rise. Thank you that you are faithful and we can put our trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Everybody have a wonderful Sunday. God bless you guys. Listening to God's teachings is always so exciting. We hope you have enjoyed this recording and that it has blessed you. Remember to share these messages with others you know and love. Until next time, may God bless and keep you. Here again is Pastor Kevin. Do you ever have thoughts about your purpose in life? Have you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? Or maybe you walked away and it's time to come home. You know, really our walk with God is about a personal relationship with Him. That's what He wants. I believe that's what we want. I encourage you to take a few moments and allow this message to sink in. Allow His Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. You know, the Bible says that if we draw close to Him, that He will draw close to us. So do that today. God bless.